look at this little nook. This is where we're gonna be having all of our awesome conversations with the amazing guests that are gonna be coming on to yours truly. Thank you so much for being here. And I know it's been like a little bit of a, a break that I've had a couple weeks, but we are back and it's gonna be better than ever. The guests that we have lined up are freaking phenomenal. Starting with Lauren McGoodwin, the CEO and founder of Career Contessa. Lauren is a freaking badass. Um, I've been following her for over a decade. The content that she has put out there for women starting in their careers, the transitions, talking about imposter syndrome, leadership, career coaching, the um, salary disparity. It's like, you name it, she's covered it. And I've just used all of her uh, wonderful content that she's put out throughout the years to help me kind of go through my entry level to like a mid-senior position to executive leadership. So highly recommend it. I am so stoked about this episode. I literally was fangirling when I was talking to Lauren. I think all of you will enjoy it. We talk about everything from the beginnings of her company, you know, the balance between being an entrepreneur and having kids and starting a family. What does that look like? And then also everything from the transitions of moving into a career. So how do you deal with imposter syndrome, leadership, especially in a male dominated, do, male dominated industry, you name it, we cover it. Um, I think you're going to love it. And if you haven't already, make sure that you hit that little bell icon, hit subscribe, tell your girlfriends about this podcast. We're going to have a real conversations. It is an explicit episode because we throw out a couple cuss words, but fill up your coffee mug and let's go. Kind of get into some of the nitty gritty questions of you know, imposter syndrome, which is something that you see everywhere. I would love to learn a little bit more about how you started Career and Contessa and how it's grown and what was your inspiration? Well, I really started Career Contessa as truly a means to an end. Um, and the end was getting my my master's uh, in communication management. So Career Contessa was launched. Um, I was writing my thesis on millennial women and career resources. I had just gone from this job I hated to this job I loved at Hulu. I was working in recruiting. So I was on the other side of the hiring table. And I was really perplexed at like why a career resource for women didn't really exist and didn't speak to the specific needs. And even like as someone who was very active in the career center in college, I just felt like getting a job was very different in real life. And so Career Contessa was built as a prototype to use in the focus groups in my master's thesis. And then I decided to kind of keep it going. So while I was working at Hulu, I kept Career Contessa going as a blog, as really a side hustle. And then when I came time to think about like, am I going to stay in my career at Hulu? Am I going to do something different? That's when I decided to take the leap of faith and um, build essentially what's become kind of a, a niche media site slash educational content business. Um, I don't know if I would have been as articulate about calling it that back 10 years ago, but that's what it's grown into. So yeah, it started as truly a side hustle, something I needed to prove my thesis point about we need to have a career resource. And what people forget is this was before Lean In came out. This was like at the very beginning of people being like, 
wait, careers are different for women. And wait, there's a lot of women in the workforce now. And wait, you know, so I'm really thrilled that Career Contessa has now been around for 10 years and has got, like kind of gone through those ebbs and flows. Um, and, and we just like keep producing really valuable content for people. It, it's been such a like lifesaver for me because like to your point, Lean In wasn't out there yet. And I felt as I was getting into the career space, there was no one or information that was articulating how women felt. And I remember, I forgot what question I was searching. I was searching on the internet and that's how your site had popped up for me. And it was like this quick blog and probably tips and tricks on how to handle leadership as a, as a woman. And I'm like, oh my God, this is really resonating with, with me because I was working in a male dominated industry and I didn't have a female to look, to look towards and ask those questions. So like I said, it's just been it's been great to kind of see the the continuum of content grow as also your followers have probably matured throughout their career too and it's changing yeah. along with them so you're growing with your with your audience <laughs> absolutely not all of us are you know 25 and dedicated like our whole lives are work you know uh, it's definitely evolved and we've evolved and um you know i think it's nice we we now produce a lot more content related to like what are jobs that you can do from home that are like completely flexible you know obviously how to work in a hybrid workplace a remote workplace like stuff that just again covid life maturity like you know the workplace continues to change and the rules that were complete uh, continue to kind of change ai how do you use ai for your job or with your job versus replacing your job so um there's never a dull moment in the work place you know trends and things that are happening and i will say i think there's always like a bit a bit of a negative tone with work content too so we've always tried to keep it more relatable and like you're talking to a friend Mm-hmm. And when you say um, negative tone, like what, uh, give me some examples of some things that you felt that your content was um, addressing. Well, I, th- I just mean like work trends. So you hear like lazy girl job, quiet quitting, um, you know, the okay. great resignation. I feel like there were a ton of, you know, when TikTok came out, there were a ton of accounts that were truly just making fun of like, workplaces, you know, and like some of the, the, the jargon that comes with it and stuff like that. And so, um, you know, at Career Contessa, we try to keep a more positive tone. Um, there's plenty of funny negative stuff out there. And yes, there are plenty of like annoying parts about work, but ultimately we're trying to be very solution oriented with what we're doing. I love that. And when you went from the transition of Hulu to deciding to like, I'm going to put both feet in and jump in head first, how how did you hit like that restart button, like for yourself mentally to go through that? Because that's a big jump. It was a big jump and I didn't take it lightly. I think I'd been thinking about it for a year. I was saving money. I would like, I'm not a risk taker by nature. And so it was like the riskiest thing I'd ever done. And I remember I had a bunch of things set up on the side already before I had already start, you know, I had already launched the business. Um, so for me, it was, it was like a big reset. I think the big reset was sort of my identity was very tied to my job at Hulu. And I really had to let go of that. And all of a sudden not be Lauren from Hulu anymore. I was now Lauren of Career Contessa and no one knew what Career Contessa was. Whereas like Hulu, everyone knew what that was. And so it was really nice to be attached to this like exciting up and coming brand 
And then all of a sudden to just one day be attached to something where people are like, I don't get what it is. I've never heard this name before. What are you doing? Oh, you work for yourself. And it's also very isolating. I like working with people and I loved my team at Hulu. And so to go from like having this amazing team to not having a team was also a challenge. Um, so I would say the first few years were like truly somewhat messy and a little like very emotional. Like the roller coaster was like all over the place. Um, but I'm definitely a person where I kind of have the saying of like, you have to hang in the pocket a little longer. So I was sort of like, okay, hang in the pocket a little bit longer of this discomfort and we'll see. And eventually kind of the direction and the path came out, but I can't, I cannot take any credit for being like overly strategic about that in the beginning. Um, when you're saying hanging in the pocket, let me guess, are you a football fan? So my mom is a big football fan. She's like from the Midwest, like every Sunday is football. And she like just is always screaming about the quarterback hanging in the pocket a lot longer. Yes. And it's like, yeah, so totally. It's it's totally a football metaphor, which I know some people are like sensitive sports metaphors, but it makes sense. It's like you can't throw the ball too early. You can't wait too long. It's a weird place to be. And I find that so many moments of your career in life are that they they relate to that moment. Absolutely. Because you also get the flailing of arms and people trying to sack you. So it's like, I think it's a, it's a perfect metaphor for you in that space. Um, When thinking about career Contessa and the name, how did you, like, what was the inspiration for career Contessa? I'm very curious. Well, well, it's funny. I wanted an alliteration really badly. And um, I was trying to think of all these other C words. And my mom was the one who was like, what about Contessa? Um, so she's, she's turned out to be a really good brainstorming <laughs> uh, partner. I always joke that she must've been watching barefoot Contessa a lot at that time of oh life, but it worked really well because I wanted something that people knew what it was about. So they knew it was career related and that they knew it was for women. And so trying to find um, a, like a fun way to brand that was, was in, it just sort of, when I heard it, I was like, that's it. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so funny. And Barefoot Contessa during that time. I mean, I was even watching that show. It was just so good. Yeah. And her yummy recipes. Oh my god. Thank God she didn't get canceled because she's amazing. But also just like it would have been bad to have your brand associated with a, a name of a person who got canceled for yeah, something. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, you're all good. Um yeah. now during your transition of, you know keeping yourself sane, you know, working by yourself too, making that transition from Hulu, working by yourself and maybe with a couple people, what was like your toolkit? What was your go-to toolkit to kind of keep the momentum going as you were starting this business? Um, I think two things I, I give a lot of credit to. One, I had a friend who lived in New York, so she's on the other side of the country, who was also leaving her corporate job to start her own career coaching business. Every other Friday, she and I had a standing time that we would talk and we would just share struggles, challenges, you know, feeling like I'm lost or what do I do about this? And then like we kind of text and stuff during the week. I give a lot of credit to that relationship, to keeping me accountable, um, keeping me focused. It was really nice to be able to have like someone in the trenches with you to go through it with. Um, And knowing that we were talking every other week, it was sort of like, okay, I said I was going to do these things. I don't want to like let my accountability partner down. So I, I'm a big um, fan of the saying of like, if you want to go far, 
go alone, if you want to go further, like do it together, whatever, whatever that cliche saying is like, I, I completely agree about it. Um, or agree with it. I mean, um, the other thing I really would say is like, part of my anxiety was related to money. I was always so, you know, being really frugal and, um, asking a lot of questions before I spent money, but then also having some side hustles happening. I mean, there were times where I was like walking people's dogs during the day because I was working from home. I was willing to take on like a recruiting thing from here and there. I would like, so I was just taking on these little side hustle things, um, to kind of, even though I had saved money, I was really nervous about going through that too quickly. Um, and so I think that also gave me a little peace of mind of like, okay, I'm spending, you know, out of my 60 hours a week that I'm working on this, like 50 of them are maybe on career contessa and 10 are for this other thing, or maybe some weeks it was a little bit different, but I think that just gave, it took the edge off a little bit. Um, I also left Hulu and started working on career contestant during a time of my life where I didn't have kids. I didn't have a mortgage. Like I, I did it at a time when like the pressure couldn't have been lower, um, in terms of that. And, and so that helped a lot too. I love to, and if you feel comfortable, of course, talking about it, like, do you, um, being that you didn't have kids at that time, do you have kids now? And what does that like work-life balance look like for you? Because we have so many listeners that are women that are trying to balance their careers and being an entrepreneur on the side. Like what, what has kept you sane? I do have two kids. I have two under the age of two. So I, um, oh my gosh, you know, kind of chaos in my house right now. So a couple of things when you're an entrepreneur, um, there is no such thing as true maternity leave where you just completely check out. Um, but obviously delegation, I, I, I encourage everyone if you can to take a little time off, even if it's a month and then you, you're at least checking emails or available. So I got an incredible VA, um, before I went on maternity leave who, um, I trained and I, I did a lot of training through loom, um, which is this video training, or I did it through video training kind of thing. And Loom allowed me to save the video. So if she had questions, she literally had like a tutorial and stuff like that. And it was an easy way for me to train. Um, and then we have two full-time employees at Career Contessa. So I basically had to sit down and say, okay, what's a priority? What's not a priority while I'm gone? Um, and so some things did kind of go on the back burner and some things were able to continue because of that help. Um, so absolutely can't do it alone. Like as, as every working mom knows, like it, it literally takes a village and it's usually a paid village. <laughs> I don't know who gets the free one, but, um, uh, so that included my mom or my mother-in-law coming down and helping from time to time, especially if my husband is like traveling a lot for work because he's also working. Um, I have an incredible nanny who comes eight fifteen to one fifteen every single day. So that's like the bulk. And then my kids, now I'm at a place where working parents can understand this. I, I now have my kids on a joint now from one to three, which is like a really, it's probably one of my proudest accomplishments. I want to put it on my resume, but, um, <laughs> so I really get like eight fifteen to three fifteen every day to get as much work done as possible. I get to work from home. So I'm lucky I don't have a commute in there, but I would say that, you know, for working moms, I don't know if there's such thing as balance. It's really just like, what are the urgent things that get need to get done that day? And how can I prioritize those? I'm way more, um, structured with my time, uh, picky about my time. Um, you know, I say no to a lot more things, especially events or things that maybe I would have just gone to at night. You know, I just, the nighttime stuff for parents is really, really hard. So I think my only tip for working parents is, 
um, spend money on help and, and outsourcing things. If you can afford it, like someone cleaning your house or getting your groceries delivered, like whatever you can. I love to spend my money on giving myself time back. Even if that time is to sit and watch reality TV on my bed, like while someone else is watching my kids, cause that's what I need to recharge or to go for a walk or to do something. And then my husband and I on the weekends will kind of trade off on like who gets a Saturday or Sunday morning to themselves and stuff like that. So, um, I don't, I, I mean, my best tip is like, you cannot do any of it without support, whether you're paying for the support, the support of a partner. And I would say at our house, we are just like, we live by like a, a calendar, you know, and, and trying to be as prepped as possible of the chaos of, of everyone having a different schedule. How about the mental, um, the mental side of everything? So like, I've, re- I've heard from multiple moms of like this sense of guilt sometimes of like you know Mm -hmm. am I working too long of our hours should I be doing this versus that how how do you walk yourself through those moments when you do feel a bout of guilt coming I think guilt is totally normal um I would say I probably sometimes feel more guilt toward the business. Like, am I giving, am I, am I, you know, I'm doing a lot for my kids. Am I doing enough to keep my business, you know, am I building it up as much as I'm building my kids up? Um, And then of course, if you work too much, you feel guilty because now you, so I think it's sort of just like, I'm just trying not to let anything get too low at one time. You know, I don't want any, the gas tanks need to stay, medium to high. I don't want any of them to go zero. And the gas tanks are sort of like my kids, my family life, my relationship with my husband, my friends, uh, and obviously work. And so I I think I've also embraced over the last few years, um, you know, my ambition has definitely changed. Like, I feel like I had, I was in like a one lane highway before, and now the highway is five lanes long, you know, or five lanes wide. And so I really feel like, um, I've embraced much more of a like good enough job, you know, like I, I'm not trying to be perfect at anything. I'm trying to be good enough at a lot of things. And, um, I also read the book essentialism by Greg McEwen. I would highly recommend it. It's all about focus. And he talks about like the pursuit of doing less and how like, you know, life is about trade-offs. And if you're trying to do all these things, you do none of them very well. And I, I think, I think that really changed my mindset and did allow me to say, I don't need to get A plus grades in all of these lanes. I need these to be good enough. And there are certain times where I dive deeper into one or the other. I'm in a season of life where my kids really need me. They're like truly under the age of two. They need me to feed them, to do stuff for them. That means that they're getting more of that energy than maybe my work and stuff like that. So I wish I could do it all, but I'm not a machine and it's not worth it to me to break myself over trying to do it all. Yeah. I'm so happy you mentioned that book because as you were going through the motions of talking about priority, that was one of the books that I mentioned in my solo episode. And I just saw you post about it recently, I think on LinkedIn. I was like, oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> like everything is yeah. coming together. Highly recommend it. It is a fantastic book, really especially good. if you have multiple plates that you're juggling. Um, and then Aside from guilt, did you ever have this sense of like imposter syndrome as you were transitioning into like this, like you're being your own boss? Do you ever get that sense? And like, what what is your recommendation or tips for women that are experiencing that? Because that is a headline I see quite often is about imposter syndrome. I even feel it. (laughs) 
Absolutely. I mean, I'm doing a big presentation to LinkedIn on Tuesday. Um, and I'm having this, I have tons of imposters and I'm like, why do they want me to come and speak to their group? Or like, these are a bunch of career experts. Like, what could I say that's possibly interesting and new to them? Um, I feel imposter syndrome. I think of also there's self doubt and then there's imposter syndrome. I think of imposter syndrome is sort of like, you're worried that people are going to figure out that you're not as great as you are selling. Like what you're selling is, is doesn't get backed up or sort of like, I got really lucky with this thing, but I can't get lucky again with it. Um, and self-doubt is sort of like, do I believe I have the ability to do this thing? Like, am I really as good or can I do that thing? Um, so I, I, I try to also like define one of the things that helps me is like, okay, what is the emotion I'm feeling right now? Am I, am I fearful? Why am I so like trying to like put words and articulate how I'm feeling and why I'm feeling that way? Maybe I think it's imposter syndrome, but really what's happening is that I'm really nervous because I haven't practiced my presentation enough. And once I practice that a few more times, I think I'm going to feel much more confident about it. And so it's not that I have imposter syndrome, it's that I have a lack of preparation. And so the the answer to this is I need to do X, Y, Z. And so for me, also, I totally believe that confidence is one of those things where you, you build it through actions and doing things. It's not something that you can just think of or people are just born with or if you put on the right coat, you know, you know, uh, suit that it just happens. I think it's a culmination of everything. But ultimately, you have to leave your comfort zone and do things that are a little scary and build up or what I always like to say, strengthen that comf- uh, confidence muscle. So for me. I think one thing that's helped a lot is just being able to articulate my emotions or my feelings a whole lot more. I'm a person where when I'm anxious or something, I can like feel it bubbling inside and I have to get it out. And that's sort of how I get it out is I, I literally have the energy leave me by going for a walk or kind of getting it out that way. Maybe you journal, whatever your, your process is. And then the other thing for me is just getting really specific about naming it and then, and then, okay, I feel this way. How can I, why do I feel this way? Okay. Is there something I can do to help myself not feel that way? You know, that kind of thing. I, I absolutely appreciate the, you know, putting words to describe how you're feeling because you get back to the root cause of like, what is it really bubbling up? And I like the fact that you defined it's, is it self-doubt or is it imposter syndrome? Because those are mm-hmm. very two different things of like how you want to approach that. Um, I'd love to kind of transition into talking about leadership because I know as career Contessa has grown, of course your team has grown. Um, what has, what are some tips that you have for women that are new in a leadership position and um, what has your experience been in some learnings? Yeah. So before COVID we had a team of six and then during COVID we, um, we were, we kind of had downside. We were slowly downsizing really before that because um, we just, in order to scale our business, we needed to get to a place where we actually had fewer expenses and the way, so it was more, it had a lot more to do with the business model. Then COVID hit and it was like, okay, and now in addition, we have this other challenge. So we, I, at one point I was, I was managing six people. Now I manage two people and then a bunch of freelancers. So I will say like my management tips today are way different than they were back when I had a bigger team, but let's go based on when I had a bigger team. Um, one of the things that I um, thought was really, really helpful is providing structure um, with the team before there was 
things that need. So like defining our values, talking about everyone's communication styles and preferences, providing structure, almost like I made an employee handbook, like this is back in the day, it was like, this is what we do for work from home days. This is the expectations of this. So like really defining the expectations and having the team work with me on it. And like, what are our expectations of each other? Um, and I felt like that was a really good foundation for being a manager because I felt like we together set these kind of rules. And then my job was not to enforce them. It was sort of like everybody's rule, everybody's job to basically be like, this is what's expected of the team. If you can't meet the expectations, here's also what we do. So it was sort of like this way of being like, here's a foundation that everybody can start by knowing what's expected of them and, and how the team works from there. I thought it was really important to also be thoughtful about how we run meetings, how we use people's time and energy, how people stay accountable. So whether that was one-on-one check-ins, whether whether that was like people reporting to me, um, when we have meetings, being really thoughtful about like, okay, what is the point of the meeting? Is it, if it's just status updates, we can send that in an email. If it's for collaboration, then like we should be starting meetings with questions and getting people's thoughts and brainstorming. And so trying to be really thoughtful about Anytime we were doing something, what was the point of it? And also, how can we make this really efficient so that, you know, ultimately, I've always had this belief that, like, you should hire really good people and then get out of their way. Um, And then the other thing I think for me is, like, I always tried to emphasize it was okay to fail. I talked about my mistakes, being really empathetic um, to kind of lead by that example. Um, The other thing that has always been important to me Um, in addition to being empathetic with a team is also just being transparent and being like, this is the direction we're going. Like, this is what we're trying to build. And um, I think communication and it's interesting running the career contested podcast for so long talking to so many experts, I really feel like a lot of leadership comes down to really good communication and also being sure to place value, not on just the top performers, but the people who also elevate the performance of the entire team. So rewarding that more than just being a top performer. Um, It's not easy. There's a really great book called The Making of a Manager by uh, Julie Zhao. She was um, on my podcast. She was in my book. I really looked up to her because she was um, one of the first employees at Facebook and became a manager and had to like just figure it out on her own. Um, So I also think that if you are a manager to my best pieces of advice is read books, listen to podcasts and get a career coach or executive coach, like get the support you need because nobody is born a leader. You know, they're taught where it's something that you're made into. And it's not like one book or one thing is going to be the answer. It's kind of an ongoing journey. And then also find some other managers or leaders who you look up to or think do a really good job and see if they'll be your mentor or can they at least be available for a once a month call and check in and um, chit chat. I have found a lot of help in those things too. Those points are amazing. I would love to get your hot take on um, Radical Candor. And um, I think Radical Candor, it's by Kim Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, a great book. I remember I was working at one organization where they made everyone read Radical Candor. Um, what, is your, what is your take on um, communicating with Radical Candor? 
I think it works for some people and for some people it's not going to work. Ultimately, what I found about communication is that everyone has different communication styles and preferences. And so I'm actually a big fan on, um, on Career Contessa. We, we partner with Liz and Molly. They're the authors of No Hard Feelings. Um, and they have a communication guide to working with me. And ultimately, I personally think the best thing you can do instead of just saying this is the way we communicate here is say, okay, as a team – Let's find out how each person communicates. Also, a lot of people don't know what their communication preferences are. So it's important to have them go through the exercise because then they know what works for them and what doesn't. Once you know what works better for one person, it's like knowing your your love language. When you know the person's love language, you can like be like, okay, acts of service, that's not for me, but I recognize that this is really important for you. So I'll take out the trash because I know it's going to make the world to you or mean the most to you. So I take kind of more of that angle versus just flat out applying one communication style to everybody. Um, Cause not everyone's going to like that. I love that. What, um, can you name that book again? Uh, well, so the, the book by Liz and Molly is called no hard feelings. Um, but we worked with them on a communication guide. So if you go to career contessa under downloads, it's called um, communication or, or like guide to working with me. And it basically asks you, how do you like to be communicated and you and your entire team can do it and then share the results with people. So like, for example, maybe Samantha loves radical candor and you can give her direct feedback in front of everybody on the spot. Somebody else might, that might be really hard for them because they get very anxious when they're put on the spot like that. And so they really prefer something sent to them via email in bullet points or another person maybe loves all the context of like, why you're getting this feedback or whatever it is. Um, and so, you know, being able to understand how people operate or what, how they're able to take that information in, I think is super helpful. And it will be effective for the team because or else you're kind of hitting a, a, a wall in a sense if, if it's not sinking in for the other person. Um, okay, yeah. I'm definitely going to use that sheet with my team. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Now, in terms of leadership, um, in my past and i know for a lot of other women if they're in a male dominated industry and they're one of the few female leaders what is your advice to them because i think you kind of get the into this mix of like almost imposter syndrome and the energy is a little bit different in the room especially if you're managing mostly a male team what is your what is your advice for them yeah, I mean, my best advice is find an ally, find another male manager who, you you know, supports you and is in your corner is your ally and that you can talk to and maybe can give you the feedback like, look, I know that's your style, but this isn't working for this team or somebody on the team who can come to you and be like, hey, that was that meeting didn't go very well because, you know, maybe we didn't have X, Y, Z. I think that's also really important. I also feel like um, if you're on a mostly male dominated team, I think it's natural for people to be like, let me change myself to kind of more of the style that works for them. I don't know that that's always bad, but it's like for women, it seems like a lose-lose because if you are more assertive, then you're looked at as being aggressive and bitchy, right? Or something yes. like that. Yeah, so I think it's really important to stay true to who you are. This is easier said than done. Kind of like don't sweat the small stuff. But ultimately, I think people respect people who get things done, communicate concisely, clearly, um, aren't wishy-washy. So the person who sets boundaries, but then two days later is like, whatever about it. Um, 
you know, I think that also there's, I just read something the other day that was like, are you my momager? And it was talking about how millennial women specifically feel this pressure to be almost like this mother figure manager and like how it's not great because it doesn't, it doesn't communicate to other people like leadership qualities. It communicates like, okay, you're a mom. Yeah. You're the, (laughs) you're the caretaker and stuff like that. So there's a, there's a couple books that I like there. Um, the no club, which is about how to say no to non-promotable tasks at work, which more women are asked to do. Um, Again, finding other women who have been there and successfully done that, they can help coach you through it. Um, finding the resources that, again, I, I like going to people who have actually done that before. Like I haven't actually been a manager to mostly men. I um, was a manager at a tech company, but I worked in recruiting, which was primarily female. Um, so, you know, that isn't my strong suit. So I would tell people all day long, here are some resources and some books. Here are some really good practical tips. Me personally, I would go find a coach or someone who could help me work through that stuff um, because it's going to be challenging and it's going to feel like everyone's going left while you're going right and it's going to feel uncomfortable. And so how can you basically prep ahead for that and and how are you going to deal with things you do feel like, okay, I feel like I just got yelled at in front of everybody or I just got tough feedback or whatever it is or I was assertive and now you know, whatever, like, and also I think that a lot of times, and I do this too, we overthink more of our reactions to things than other people are, but that's, that's again, why you have a coach or somebody who can help you through, okay, when you're feeling that way, how are you going, what are you going to do about it? You know? So my, my best advice is that it's hard. So prepare ahead of time. Preparation. Preparation is so important. (laughs) Now, you have mentioned career coach a couple of times. I don't have a career coach. Um, What are some benefits of a career coach? And like, what does a career coach actually do versus like having a mentor? Yeah, I think if you can think back to if you ever played sports for a team, you know, a coach is there to inspire you, maybe teach you some strategies and some drills so that you can use them. But ultimately their goal, like they can't do the job for you, right? They're not on the field with you. So their goal is to kind of guide you in that right direction. That's really what a coach does. They are there to um, push you and inspire you, give you tips and strategies, but they're not there to do the work for you. A mentor, in my opinion, is someone who's been there and done that already, and they're just sharing their experience or giving you kind of like hindsight 2020, here's what I would have done differently. So coach is more like that person on the field with you. The mentor is sort of like the person who already won or like was the best at that sport in in high school, and now they've gone on to other things. And they're like, yeah, when I was there, I remember being in that moment and it was scary. Or I remember, you know, like, or, you know, I went this direction, I really would about you know, here are some things that you could consider doing. And then you go back to your coach and you're like, I've decided I want to do this. And they're like, okay, great. Let's figure out how to get you there. Or let's figure out how, like what tools in your toolkit do you need to call on to, to help you get to that place? So I think of those as sort of like, you need both their compliments, but one is sort of more of the tactical person and more, one is more of the sort of like hindsight 2020, here's some inspiration. Here's how I did it. I'm not going to really tell you how to do it, but I'm just telling you or sharing my experience about it. Um, both are great, you know, but but a coach is going to be a lot more tactical and um, definitely much more personalized to you and your specific situation. A mentor probably wants to talk about themselves and share their own story. Not that they're not interested in what you're doing, but 
the conversation's more of a two-way street. Got it. Now, um, how do you find a career coach? Is that like services that Career Contessa has as well? Well, as we do have. Yeah, we do have um, a career coaching service. So you can certainly, we pre-vet every coach who's on there. And depending on what your goal is, are you looking for someone to help you through management and leadership, kind of like the executive coach? Are you looking for someone to help you with your job search? That's what people think a lot of, of career coaching. I think primarily people think career coach and they think, okay, you need a job. Executive coaching, they're like, oh, you're an executive, you know, that you're the CEO and you need guidance. And so it leaves this huge area in the middle that's open, but truly a career coach can help you um, get further along in your career and not, they're not just necessarily for job searching. So we have that service. Um, I know the Muse, which is another big career site has that service. Um, you can go on LinkedIn and find people. My best advice is to talk to three or four different ones, find someone who um, their their style, kind of communication style and their setup really works well for you, what you're looking for. Also, talk to your friends and like colleagues and put it out there on LinkedIn. Ha has anyone worked with a career coach they really liked? And I'm looking for someone with this and that like it. The best recommendations are probably also going to come from your network for via word of mouth. Um and then for mentors, that's a much more like organic situation where it's somebody who, again, has been there and done that successfully or is higher up in the company or works, you know, cross-functionally somewhere else and you love their leadership level, leadership style. And you're like, I just want to learn from you. Like, I just want to sit down and ask you, how do you do what you do? How, why do you deal with conflict in that way? Yada, yada. Whereas like the coach, again, is going to be much more tactical. Love it. Um, to close things off, I do want to ask you one of my favorite questions that I get to ask every single guest, and it's if you were to give advice to your past self, what would you say and why? Oh, that's so tough. Um, <laughs> I heard a mantra. So my past self, I think, was very rigid. I was I really struggled to kind of go with the flow and sort of be okay with the like. The, I was much more of a fixed mindset person. Something I wish. I could go back and change about myself as having much having the growth mindset, but also being much more comfortable with the growth mindset. And I heard this um, mantra the other day and it was, it's this or something better. And I really wish I had kind of gone through my earlier career with a lot more optimism and gratitude and openness about like, it's this or something better. Like I, I felt like I really needed to know each next step and I really stressed out if I didn't know those things. And I, I, again, I just sort of wish I had been able to accept like, it's this or something better. Like you're in this and like be fully present and be fully in it and stop thinking about five steps ahead. Um, and just focus on the thing that you're working on now that will actually lead to whatever the better thing is. So, you know, in hindsight, I think I wasted a lot of energy on the other stuff and wish I had just put my energy into like, you know, my goodness, I could have like, had three side hustles if I had not spent so much energy on the other stuff. I don't know. <laughs> hey, it's all a beautiful learning experience. And now yes. hopefully the, some of this little wisdom will help someone else that is kind of going through that similar patch of um, feeling like they're too rigid. Um, where can all of our listeners find you on social media? Well, we made it pretty simple. We're at Career Contessa on pretty much everything. Um, we're most active on Instagram. Um, so follow us there. And then our newsletter, we send out um, two newsletters a week, um, always filled with really good career advice, um, work trends. Uh, we have a salary, an anonymous salary database. So if you guys are interested in knowing 
what your, you know, how to compare your own salary or just like how much money other people make because it's okay to be nosy. You can always check that out. We also have a job board. So everything is careercontessa.com and then social media is at careercontessa. Beautiful. And I've used that salary tool that was super helpful for me when I was like trying to do this negotiation for one of my previous jobs. It was awesome. And I think it was fairly new when you first, um, when you had launched it, but it's great that it's continuing to grow. Um, I also want to give a shout out to your awesome book, Power Moves, which I see right behind you. Fantastic yeah. <laughs> read. Loved it. Um, I want to say, did it come out a couple years ago? Too? Is it May 2020? Yeah. Okay. I snuck in there in the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much, Lauren, for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure.